Hey guys, welcome to the First in Football show. This is your co-host Logan Allward, and today we're back with another coaching interview. A fun and interesting one we got today. We have Saj Dakar from Harvard. He is the running backs coach. Coach, how you doing today? I'm great, Logan. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, I, this is going to be one of the most interesting interviews I've ever done. Um, just the Harvard name alone stands out and is really fun. And I can't wait to dig into what you have to tell us about. First, Saj, go ahead and just kind of tell us about yourself. Um, what got you into football? You know, maybe what interest uh, piqued your interest for football? Uh, where you play, you know, and how did you get to Harvard? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I guess, you know, I started playing football at an early age, was never very good at it uh, early on, uh, wasn't born with, with, with athletic genes and uh, and the whole deal. But what really, uh, it, the sport itself, just kind of coming up through the, the Pop Warner system and all that was always, you know, I was super into it all the time. And, uh, you know, when I, what really, uh really piqued my interest what, what I give all the credit to my older brother he um he's probably my biggest inspiration uh in life uh you know he he actually passed away a few years back but um he 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 played football as well he played baseball you know he did a bunch of different had a bunch of different interests and 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 he started coaching and uh that kind of when he started coaching kind of married up with me uh getting into high school so just kind of seeing him and his work ethic and, and, and more so from the coaching aspect of kind of, you know, him going above and beyond. And he didn't coach for a career. He coached freshman football at the high school that we both went to. Um, but just seeing the impact he had on kids lives as a coach at the high school and seeing him, you know, stay after school with kids to do homework and, you know, driving kids to and from practice and that sort of stuff. That, that's really kind of showed me the impact a coach can have. Um, and, you know, that's when really I started taking an interest in the X and O's of the game was when I got into high school. And that's, you know, different from, from my from my brother who was more in it for the sense of mentorship and all that. Like, I really wanted to do it as a career uh, once I kind of fell in love with the X and O's. So, you know, I played football, at, at, you know, in Massachusetts, about 25 minutes north of Boston, small high school, Wakefield High School, uh, played quarterback, played a little DB and linebacker as well. Uh in college, I went to a Division three school out in Massachusetts, Fitchburg State. Uh, you know, played there, and and one of the things that that I really credit a lot of my um, kind of you know springboard my coaching career and my knowledge is, a lot of people think this was a disadvantage, but actually during college, I had the opportunity I played for three different head coaches and four different offensive coordinators, so I learned a bunch of different systems, football, uh, met some great people as a player. Um, that kind of really you know expanded in my knowledge before I even got into coaching um follow my, I was pretty much a back quarterback my whole career played a little bit of slot receiver as well in college and then my first job coming out was actually at the school that I that I played at so I started coaching at Fitchburg State uh was there for two years sort of like GA position coach I'm sure you're you know you're familiar with in the, in the small college world uh GA type responsibility but I did you know first year it was just a running backs coach uh, and second year, I got to take over special teams as well. So my second year coaching, I was running backs coach, special teams coordinator. Uh, following that, I was fortunate enough to land a full-time job at a D3 school in New York, uh, SUNY Maritime College, right in, right in the Bronx in New York City, um, where I was fortunate enough there. I, I kind of came on. Um, staff was in flux a little bit. Uh, it was kind of They kind of brought me on. I said, hey, 
potentially coach receivers, running backs, kind of will figure it out. They were running triple option at the time. And I actually ended up coaching DBs and coordinating the special teams my first career after having zero experience on defense. And that, uh, again, just something else that really, and I recommend that to anyone, if, if you can just kind of, you know, dabble on the other side of the ball and just, just learn, um, you know, the game from, from the other side. And, uh, kind of in a unique situation. My second year there, the head coach who who was still, you know, one of my closest friends and mentors, um, he was like, you know, I want to get away from the triple option. Uh, do you want to take over the offense? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'm 25 years old, you know, fourth year coaching. I was like, sure, I'd love to. Uh, and we were able to to transition the offense um you know more of a 11 slash 12 first spread you know gap scheme inside zone outside zone rpo um and kind of being able to make my own mistake having freedom to, to install a whole system to what essentially was a uh a, a team full of freshmen who had never done it before um which it, it, it was outstanding so i did two years there first year we, we were okay uh second year we had a lot of success both years we made the postseason in the, the second year we were nine and one we pretty much led the conference every offensive category um and uh yeah my success there i i knew i wanted to you know get to the division one level and uh opportunity at harvard opened up and um you know one thing i tell people is, is you never know who's watching because i didn't really have any connection to harvard besides a coach that coached me for one year in college uh who worked with the 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 DFO who was here at the time and he just kind of called me out of the blue was like hey I saw you were in coaching you know you always left a great impression on me uh so I just I, you know I don't know what's going to happen but I put your name in front of the in front of the guys at Harvard and we'll see and it just it ended up working out coach Murphy gave me a call a couple of days later did a quick phone interview uh had me come down to do an in, uh, in person interview a few days after that and then uh got the job so going to been here since uh the 2018 spring yeah. I mean, that's an awesome, I mean, we see a lot of younger guys getting into coaching now and not necessarily have to be a player in the NFL or a long uh, winded college player. You know, we see guys like Sean McVay or Mike McDonald, who are guys who never really played in the NFL and Mike McDonald looks like he should still be in high school and yet he's coaching the Miami Dolphins. So definitely seeing a lot more of that. I want to jump back a little bit and you talked about kind of leading your own offense um, before you got to Harvard. Some things that people don't really understand is the hours and hours that go into the install of a new offense, and especially to freshmen, that would have been probably an incredibly hard task. But kind of take us through that. How was your approach to that, you know, trying to do that new offensive install to a lot of young guys? Yeah, absolutely. So well, what I meant by the freshman category was like we had a normal roster, but like no, it was all new to everyone. So it was like you had 100, you know, 50, 60 right. freshmen. So, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, it took a lot of prep work, um, you know, learning from a lot of different people, going out to see people, uh, getting hands on whatever tape, you know, we could. And, uh, you know, at the time and even still now, you know, you know, Gus Malzahn was crushing it on offense. I really loved that Auburn style, the time where it was like, you know, the string where they had like you know, Cam Newton, Nick Marshall playing quarterback and, and um, had some great, great running backs, Corey Davis playing receiver. Like, so they had some, some really good things. They were doing a ton of motion movement, a little bit of RPO, a lot of different uh, nuances in the run game and then being able to take shots downfield. And that's kind of what I modeled it around. It wasn't exactly that, but um and then I had, I was fortunate enough to to who was still a good friend of mine work for uh, a Devin Gates who's a, he's a high school head coach in the Massachusetts area now college coach for a long time and and he taught me kind of the Nevada pistol what that what Ka Kaepernick was running 
So I kind of molded the two of those. And that's kind of what got me, um, you know, what got our system going. Uh, it was a lot of that first spring ball, a lot, a lot of trial by fire, you know, a lot of, a lot of things that, that, that seemed like good ideas at the time that you try out on the field and you're like, wow, this is, uh, this is, this is a little much. Um, but the biggest thing is that, um, you can't take anything for granted when you're installing something new. So like the smallest thing from cadence, snap count, motions. I mean, they weren't running bubble screens or now. So like the smallest route, like, like whatever it is, like the smallest detail has to be covered. Uh, and, and, and you're better off starting small and then building, which is a lot of young guys, including myself, right? You want to do everything early and it's like, whoa, like that happened. The first few spring ball practices, like we looked like a complete mess. And it was like, all right, let's let's throttle back a little bit and uh, and let's get this thing going. So, you know, anyone who's kind of installing something new to, to anyone is, you know, I'd say definitely smart, start small, you know, get the foundational pieces in and and no details too small. Right. And I mean, that's the beauty of spring ball. It's you have that time to, for trial and error. And it's really a gracious period that colleges get to have, you know. Uh, a lot of benefits coming out of that. And you want to talk about doing things new. Uh, you'd mentioned how you were a defensive back coach for a little bit, you know, can you kind of just talk us through, like you never played defensive back, obviously as a wide receiver slash quarterback um, in college, but how did you really kind of prep yourself to be able to coach guys on that position? Yeah. Well, I, I found out in, God, I want to say like early July that I was going to be coaching defensive backs that August. So again, you know, and, and I say this all, you know, um, you know, we've had a lot of great QCs come through here. Like I th I'm, I'm the youngest person on the staff here, but a lot of younger guys that come through in like the QC, uh, you know, type roles for us. And like, I tell all these guys all the time, anyone I talk to, it's like, it, there's no excuse anymore. Like there's so much information out there. I mean, you could follow 15 people on Twitter and have countless amounts of, of of clinic of clinic talks and playbooks and all that and then there's you know obviously the afca does a great job and there's plenty of clinics there's plenty of you know excel labs on, online and you know resources like that 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 guys can really take advantage of and, and that's what i did is took a deep dive into it i called people you know we were for you know in division three obviously you start camp a little bit later so i was able to early that fall i was in new york city i was able to go to rutgers to watch a practice I went to Temple, Philly to watch a practice. So like, and, and talk to those guys. So like, I was able to get out and do stuff, but like, yeah, I mean, I mean it's just, you got to soak up as much knowledge as you can. And, um, you know, I, I think that gets lost a little bit these days is like, and I, and I say it all the time to, to guys here, it's like, you, you, you run into like people that all they want to do is recruit or all they want to do is coach, but you got to do both. Like I believe, like I, I don't think you can call yourself a true coach, college football coach. Like, yeah, you got to be able to recruit, but you better be able to coach and develop and scheme it up as well. So I think the more you know, the better. And like I said earlier, like that year on defense, like helped me tremendously. Um, you know, as I've gone through my coaching career. Right, and I play with guys too who've been both sides of the ball in college, and you know, and the same thing, the same theme I hear is wow, it gives me a way better perspective of what I'm working with, you know, what what the other guy's thinking across from me and kind of gives them that edge up, you know. And uh, kind of going to dive into Harvard now, you know. Um, you've been there for uh, since 2018, four seasons since the COVID year. Um, fairly pretty good uh, winning percentage record, you know. Uh, 2019 was a little down. But other than that, you came in and you've had a lot of success. You're leading rusher this year as a senior, I believe, uh, Aiden. 
And this year he went for 1,500 yards with 10 touchdowns. So kind of talk about that since he's been a guy that's been there for a majority year uh, period at Harvard. So kind of touch on that with him and the progress that you've been able to work with him and to have him flourish this year. Yeah, so, you, you know, Aiden's a, he's a special kid, man. He's he's unbelievable. Uh, but I've been fortunate to have three special kids since I've been here. Uh, you know, the first kid in, in 2018 who I had was Aaron Champlin. Uh, he, he played for me in 2018. He missed the 2019 season. Then we had Kobe. Then he was back in 2021 for his senior season. Uh, but he's playing. He's with the Indianapolis Colts right now in the NFL in the practice squad. Uh, and he, him and him and, uh, and AB and, you know, shared carries, uh, last season. And then in between the two of them started at a kid, Devin Darrington, who's playing in the XFL right now. So that's pretty much three pro guys. I think Aiden's going to be a pro guy as well, you know, come through here. And what's been awesome with Aiden is obviously he was actually the first, uh, in the, my first recruiting class when I got here. So, you know, I made, you know, obviously his recruiting coach, who's our, our, our offensive coordinator recruited him you know, brought him, got him to camp. And, and, you know, I was able to say like, you know, I want this kid. And, uh, you know, he's been an impact player for us since he's been here. 2019, he won freshman of the year in the conference. Uh, he was second team all conference splitting carries in, in 21. And then this year led the league in pretty much every, every rushing category, you know, unanimous first team all conference finalist for, for offensive player of the year. And he is, uh, his, what makes him, you know, really special are kind of two things. You know, one is his work ethic. He is, you know, pound for pound, the strongest kid in, in every single lift on the team. He's, uh, you know, relentless worker in the weight room, relentless worker in the film room, wants to be coached, wants to be great. And then the second thing is just kind of building off of that. It's just his mindset on the field. Like he off the field, he is the best person like he's around my kids all the time like he's around my family like he's 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 doing recruiting events for us talking to parents like he's 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 the absolute man when it comes to that stuff but then you know when it's game day and 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 it's opening kickoff you know he can flip a switch and he really becomes something special something different um and that would that's what really sets him apart and his his you know he's had all these accolades he's great i tell everyone his number one stat right, is that he's been a player for us. He's been here for 30 games. He wasn't here for – obviously, we didn't play during COVID. He's played significantly in all 30, and he's had zero fumbles. Zero fumbles. Not even not even a, not even a, a, a fumble that recovered, like just zero fumbles, period, um, which I think just speaks to to him, the type of trust that, that you can have in a kid like that who you know is not going to put the ball on the ground. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a huge benefit to your offense, too. You know, if a guy is trust trustworthy with the ball and you don't have no worries with that, letting him lead your offense. Um, kind of talk about not just Aiden, but how important is it for a guy to not just shine in one aspect of the game, but be football IQ smart, be strong in the weight room, you know, and how and spend time doing film. How does that really all create this superstar player? You know, how, what's the importance of all these things, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, if we're – if we're doing our job and recruiting and, and, and asking the right questions coming in. I mean, the type of guys we want to bring in are guys, right. That th they want to play at the next level, but they also want the Harvard degree. Like if we can find that guy, right. That has dreams, aspirations to play in the NFL, but it's coming here, you know, to get that degree from Harvard. Like that's our ideal guy. Cause he's, he, he's, we're going to be able to develop those things. You know, if he doesn't have them already, it, it's really hard, especially at a place like Harvard where, you're going to get pushed academically. 
you might be a little bit out of your comfort zone, uh, you know, with, you know, when you're in class and things like that. Uh, but you're also expected to be a division one football player. So if you don't have the intangibles and that's like the number one thing we look for, you know, in recruiting that, that, you know, coach Murphy or head coach, he's been here for 27 years, that tre tremendous amount of success. Like, you know, that's the number one thing he always preaches to us in recruiting is, is, is we know we need to bring in guys with great intangibles work ethic. Like you're talking about, we want guys who want to be in the weight room, who want to be in the film room, who are, you know, you're going to be leaving here as a coach at, you know, nine, 10 o'clock in season and, and and they're leaving the locker room because they're watching film on their own in the locker room. Or you look at the, whatever different softwares we use, whether it be Catapult Exos or, you know, we use Just Play. If you look in that and you can track the data and you see guys who have been on there, you know, four, five, six hours looking at a game. But like those are the type of guys that, that, that you want, that, that really that you need to be successful here. Um, that those are the guys are going to reach their full potential. Maybe even if like someone, you know, their year in recruiting might've ran a, three tenths of a second faster than a 40 or maybe did one or two extra reps on the bench. But if you can find the guy with the, with those intangibles, you know, you've really hit the jackpot. Right. And I can only imagine, I mean, I know the stresses of just being a regular division one player, but a division one player at the Ivy league where your academics are pushed uh, significantly a little bit more than everyone. You definitely got to be on top of your work ethic there. Um, and talk about recruiting. I want to go into your recruiting is going to look a lot different than some of the other division one schools. Do you care to kind of enlighten us a little bit of what Ivy league recruiting looks like? Yeah. So, you know, obviously we obviously want the best possible football player. Um, the thing that, you know, we need to, uh, we need to do obviously early on is figure out, you know, academically, are they going to be a fit? So, so early on, you know, we're, we start with this huge pool, which then you can obviously narrow down based on academics. And then once, Hey, you know, like, Hey, these are the guys who you know that we can, you know, thrive here, get into school. You know, we want guys that have good looking transcripts, obviously all A's and B's, uh, you know, strong, strong course load with APs, honors classes, that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, and then guys who do more than just play football, right. You got to be involved. You got to be, whether it's community service or playing other sports or clubs or, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, you kind of, I mean, it's going to stop funny, but you kind of want the total package, right? Like that's, that's kind of what you're looking for. Like the kid who can do it all, but you know, just you know, all, you know, jokes aside, but um, you know, it is a little different because you can't just say, Hey, this kid's great at football. Like let's sign him up. Like we, you can't do that. Right. So you got to get the whole, the whole picture, but you know, one of the things that, you know, everyone knows, right. Who Harvard is. So it's like, you know, I recruit kind of the furthest area away. I got Pacific Northwest, outer Midwest. I got Hawaii. I got, you know, so some, you know, a bunch of States, but wherever you go, like everyone knows that Harvard is, you know, best school in the world. So that part of it makes it easy as far as, you know, you don't got to explain who you are. Um, but you're definitely, uh, you know, finding the right guys and finding the right fit. Like I talked about earlier is, is key. And, and, and like I said, everything is in recruiting too. It's just so accessible now, right? Like you can one click follow, follow kid, DM them, you know, text, like all the, all these database with all this info. So it's just, you know, compiling this stuff. We have a great, uh, great recruiting coordinator, Joe Mannion It's a phenomenal job for us and kind of filtering through all these names that come in kind of, Hey, these are the guys who academically fit. So then as a position coach, you don't got to waste your time sorting through all these massive lists. Like, Hey, these are the guys that we really need to get eyes on and see. And, uh, and, and you know, from there, it's just, uh, you know, and, and I still think we're a little bit, maybe not old school is the right term, but you know, we're big on the live evaluation. So like we want to 
to see guys, whether it's at our camp or or at a camp over summer, you know, be able to you know see how they go through drills, how they take coaching. And like you talked about before, like the that intangible piece, like that's kind of, you know, where it comes out. Like, how are these kids competing, you know, when they're with a bunch of strangers at camp, maybe being coached by someone who they haven't been coached by before. There's some new coaching points, maybe a little bit awkward for them. Like, how are they responding to this stuff? So that, that live evaluation piece is really the last thing for us. You know, once we've kind of built that, that rapport with the kid, have that relationship. We know, hey, he's a fit academically. His high school coach says great things about him. His transcripts looked awesome. We love his film. Then, hey, let's see that live evaluation, um, you know, come summertime at, at, in the camp circuit. And that's kind of where we make the kind of, I guess, decision of who we're going to offer or not offer. Right. And you kind of alluded to it now, coaching and um, earlier you're talking about it's no excuse to not be able to know how to do something as a coach. You know, there's too many resources. I mean, my background, as I was a kicker. I never done anything else football wise related, but I can still get on Twitter. And I've learned so much in the last few years, just reading on Twitter and watching videos and stuff. So my knowledge has developed a little bit more as a football player. Um, but it's also developed as recruiting as well. You know, Twitter is a huge platform now and huddle can you kind of talk about how it's progressing you know um recruiting from when you first started coaching to now because there's been such a big tech gap um or a tech progression since um just the mid 2010s yeah so like yeah like i said i got i started my first year coaching was 2013 right when i got done playing and uh like twitter wasn't huge then you know it was all text and phone calls still and uh, I guess it's changed, I, I guess, for the better and the worse, right? Because it's like, and I, and I hear from high school coaches now all the time when I'm out on the road, it's like some of these guys are getting offers and coaches don't even have to go through the high school coach at all anymore. It's like you're kind of missing a key part of it. It's like in one way, like there's info is more accessible. It's a lot easier to talk to kids. Kids don't really want to talk on the phone as much these days, you know, so it's more through text and DM. On the flip side of it is is you're missing that that other piece sometimes where it's like you don't have to go through the high school coach to learn about a kid or you don't have to go through a guidance counselor to learn about a kid. So it, it, it's kind of twofold, but the accessibility of it, I mean, it's just like like there's no reason that, you know, that everyone can't recruit nationally anymore. Like, especially with what happened through COVID, like everyone developed virtual tours and and virtual junior days and ways to get info out to players that way. Uh, obviously the graphics thing is you can send a kid an infographic that can tell it could have a kid. For example, if we have a kid interested in, in engineering, we can send them like an engineering graphic that has, you know, what kids have done, you know, from, from our program that have been in engineering, where they've gone to grad school, where they've gone to work, one click of a button. It's like, um, you know, that stuff, obviously it was kind of starting when I first started, but it really wasn't there yet. Like kids weren't getting graphics on the regular. It was more handwritten uh, mailings and, and mass mailings and things like that. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the technology thing is crazy. I feel like there's new, there's new companies, new softwares that, that are coming in, you know, pretty much monthly, like, Hey, we have this new service, we have this new product. And, you know, obviously every, every, every product isn't for everyone. You got to be within, you know, within your budget at, at whatever program you're at, but there's definitely, you know, value to some of the stuff. And, uh, you know, we definitely find value in it here, especially with, with dealing with kind of, you know, having to narrow down from a massive pool and, uh, and, and, and then just discovering guys, right. Like, cause like, like I recruit like close to 18, 19 States, obviously I can't get to every single one on the road. So some of them, I really am just relying on, uh, you know, technology, uh, either, you know, reaching out to coaches, whether it's via email, text, phone, but also recruiting services, 
uh, you know, info from camps, Twitter, guys reaching out to us. Uh, you know, we've used services in the past like Zcruit, um, you know, things like that. So uh, it's huge in recruiting. And that's why you're seeing, obviously, that, you know, there's these massive recruiting staff at the FBS level, which that hasn't really made its way down to the FCS level yet. Uh, but you are seeing more and more people just designated to recruiting than you than you were in the past, uh, which is obviously, you know, the all the technology is a huge reason for that. Right. And we definitely started seeing it here on the podcast. You know, we see starting to see a lot more of these recruiting coordinators and personnel assistants and guys like this, guys like this that are so involved in uh, the school, but are not exactly coaches. So it's definitely a unique um, progression that we're starting to see in college football. You know, it's almost becoming like a more of a business side of things. You know, there's a business side of the team. I want to kind of, go to a different topic here you know I want, I want to jump into Ivy League football because not a lot of people like to think of Ivy League football as the same level as Division One. sometimes you know I've heard some people talk about well it's you know competition's a little bit lower but as we've seen and the guys that you've had play I mean you guys send guys to the league and play professional football guys in the Ivy League are at that level of Division One. I. I mean right Fitzpatrick is one of my favorite quarterbacks all time just because of his swag um yeah. Harvard graduate but kind of talk about the competition level at the Ivy League and what that's like. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot higher than people think. Um, you know, obviously, we're not able to compete in the FCS playoffs. But I'd like to think if we were, we'd have a couple teams every year make some some pretty strong runs. Uh, like I talked, like the top end of, of Ivy League rosters are guys that chose Ivy League because of what it was and being able to play division one football and receive that, that education. And maybe they turn down, you know, power, some power five stuff or some high level group of five stuff in order to do that. Um, I think the coaching is, is outstanding. Um, like as an offensive coach, I mean, you're seeing a different defense, you know, every week. Um, and, and, and same thing there's a variety of different offenses as well. I think there's a lot of scheme, a lot, a lot of, a lot of great coaching happening here. Uh, and there, and and I think the 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 level of athlete, the talent level, you know, definitely from obviously I haven't only been here since since eighteen, but from talking to guys and and seeing some old film and things like that, just over the last kind of ten to fifteen years, that the talent level has really skyrocketed. Um, and, you know, it showed like you said, we, you know, Ivy League's putting out you know anywhere from from three to six, seven guys in NFL camps every every year. Um, there's Guys who are sticking around on rosters. I mean, we got four or five guys in the league right now that have been in the league for at least six, seven plus years. Uh, a couple of guys, you know, new ones. We'll have a couple more this year. So the talent levels there uh, for sure. And the other thing you're seeing is kind of on the back end. We've had a lot of really successful grad transfers as well. You know, like for example, like North Carolina's playing tonight. Their starting right tackle was our starting right tackle last year. He's always a grad transfer in North Carolina. We had a kid starting at that uh, or kid playing uh, for Duke earlier today got two kids at Notre Dame we have a starting DT at UCLA so it's like we got uh and, and, and it's not just us obviously you know I, I think we've had probably the most but you know you're seeing guys kind of all you know other other teams in the league as well being able to take advantage of these grad transfer opportunities especially with all the kids who had the the COVID year that extra kind of blanket waiver eligibility year being able to use that and not just go place but go place and make an impact um you know and and, and then obviously like like it's, it's like Everywhere, you know, Division One football is Division One. Like, there's going to be good players everywhere. 
Uh, but I do think that the Ivy League attracts something that's a little bit different. And that's why you're seeing some more of the higher end players kind of, you know, you know, coming this way now. Right. And I, I 100% agree with you. You know, I always enjoy watching towards the end, you know, they start airing a little bit more Ivy League on ESPN. Um, talk about you guys are about to get in the spring ball in the weight room um, come January, you know. Talk about what your guys' future looks like. I mean, you came off a six and four season. Um, what are some of the things that you guys are going to try and instill into your football team, your football program this spring, you know, as you're preparing for next season? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we've had, we were obviously, we had a great year the year prior this past year. You know, we'd be, uh, we'd be lying if we said we didn't think we underachieved. We thought we were definitely better than six and four. We lost a couple of really close ones. Um, I think the biggest difference kind of in the team uh, in, you know, this coming year, these past two years, we were filled with these guys who were fifth and sometimes sixth year seniors. These guys who had that COVID year decided to take some time off and then come back. So those guys are kind of, you know, just kind of timing out whether they're seniors or whatever. Um, and we're going to be, we're going to be young, but we're going to be, you know, really talented. So it's going to be just kind of bringing these guys along uh, with you know really what it takes to to win at the Division One level, a lot of these guys that we're super high on with their potential, you know reasons why we recruited them and and what they've shown in flashes. But a lot of the guys are going to be playing key roles for us. May not have had a significant amount of game experience yet, so it's going to be catching those guys up to speed, really developing a lot of leadership. We've had two straight uh, outstanding captains. Uh, one of the traditions at Harvard is that there's only one captain. Uh, so we've had two straight, uh, you know, outstanding ones. Um, but really, it, it's kind of just bringing along that next group uh, to kind of, you know, be be the vocal point now and 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 be guys that are that are, you know, going to be asked to make plays on Saturdays and win games for us who, who haven't done so yet, but we know have the have the talent to do so. So just this spring, bringing those guys along, like you said, in the weight room, just kind of building that team chemistry, building that toughness. Uh, you know, building leadership, obviously getting, you know, bigger, faster, stronger. But then really once we get into spring ball is going to be, you know, hey, you know, building that continuity, getting these guys together who, uh, you know, we're, we're really high on because of their potential, but just haven't uh, had the opportunities to show it on game days yet. So I think we're going to be a little different in that sense. Like we're going to be a lot younger than we have been. But like I said, I think we're going to be really, really talented. I think there's a lot of the, the core pieces uh, – uh, you know, coming back and then, and then just some guys that really got to step up. So it's an exciting time. I think a lot of the young guys are really excited because there's a lot of wide open competitions right now. Um, so it's, it's going to be really competitive off season. Uh, and a lot of guys are, are going to be trying to earn some jobs. It's going to be great. Right. Right. So what are some of the things you do? You kind of talked about it. You know, there's some leadership roles open on your team, you know, um, having a young team. What are some of the guys, you, or some of the things you guys do as coaches to try and instill some of those leadership opportunities for guys or try to create um, maybe like a competition for those leadership spots on that team, you know? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it just kind of organically works itself out. We'll do a lot of competition stuff, you know, in uh, you know, when we're, when we're, when we're doing the, the strength and conditioning stuff, we kind of try to like to end everything with the competition or uh, even just build it in throughout a conditioning workout or, or an agility workout and stuff like that. And, uh, and, and then one of the things here, that's a little bit, you know, that's a little bit cool is that you kind of get to see a little organically kind of, Hey, like who's, you know, which quarterback is pulling the receivers aside for extra time after workouts, like which guy on defense kind of taking over for the, 
you know, for the guys that graduated, keeping guys after going over scheme on their own and things like that. Cause you know, obviously we get, you know, in college, you know, how it is like coach gets a certain amount of time, then we got a roll and then it's kind of on the players from there. So uh, a lot of like I said, what ha- happens organically, uh, but kind of just, you know, the competition stuff is big. Cause like, for example, like we're like our quarterback competition's wide open right now. It's like, all right, like who's going to, who's going to prove it? Like who's going to go out here and be, and, and be, be a tough ass competitor. Like who's going to go out and get the job done. And uh, same thing at running back. Like this is my first year since I've been here where there hasn't been a clear cut, like, Hey, it's this guy's time now. Uh, you know, we think we have some talented kids, but someone has to step up here and, and say, like, I'm going to be the guy. So I'm really excited about that. Just kind of see how these guys work out and uh, kind of see see these guys kind of take the next step and, you know, who's going to show they know what they're doing and who's going to show they can do things the right way and and really take that next step um, and, and be the guy. Because a lot different, right, when you're, when you're the second guy, third guy, fourth guy, it's like, hey, you don't have any expectations. Like anything you come in and do is like, a plus which now you're the guy it's like you're you're expected to be at that that level all the time uh which is something like you know we you know we've had the last three years with returning starters and guys who have played a lot which we don't have this year especially you know in my room is one is is one of one of the examples so just really excited for for these guys to just kind of see who can take that next step who can um who's going to really take advantage of opportunity because the opportunity is there but obviously, you know, these guys got to really take advantage of it and, and, you know, take the bull by its horns. And, and uh, you know, we know they will. Uh, we have an idea of who those guys are, are going to be. And you always hope some guys surprise you. Uh, but, yeah, I think the big theme of this, uh, this offseason is going to be, you know, competition. And then with these young guys, really attention to detail and execution. Right. And you, I mean, you want to talk about excitement. One thing I would be doing this interview a disservice if I didn't ask you about the Harvard Yale game and what that kind of means, um, not to you guys, but just the Ivy League in general. You know, I feel like that's one of the more prominent games. You know, it gets aired a little bit more than other games, and it's definitely one I've known of for a long time. So, can you kind of talk about that atmosphere um, when you guys ha- do play Yale at the end of the year? Yeah, it's awesome. Obviously, it's always the last game of the season. I mean. There's very few games in the FCS that year in and year out are going to get around 40,000 fans. And this is, you know, this is one of them, uh, national TV and great atmosphere. Like I said, it's, uh, there's obviously, there's so much, there's so much tradition at both places and, uh, you know, so many great alumni, not just football, but just in general, right? Like, I mean, you're talking, you know, presidents, you're talking CEOs, you're talking like all this sort of stuff that, that all, you know, come back, they got people want to come back to be at the game and, and be around on that day. And uh, it, it, it's an awesome atmosphere, obviously, you know, both teams, uh, both teams get each other's best shot. And uh, it's always for the most, since I've been here, besides the first year, uh, every game's been down to the wire, down to the last possession. So I think, you know, in 18, we, we won, we won pretty, pretty big 19. We lost in overtime. Uh 21 we won on, the, on essentially the uh, a two-minute drive with no timeouts and 40 seconds left and then this past year we we had a chance we had a couple two-minute drives at the end to try to to try to put one in the end zone and we, and we couldn't do it we lost by less than a touchdown so um it's always close it doesn't matter what the records are it really doesn't um but it, it it's a special game it, it it's one you can't really get really anywhere else in the country in the fcs i mean you know, obviously there's some Midwestern rivalries that, that that are really good. Some obviously the the Dakotas and the Montanas and stuff like that. But it's a special game that has so much history and 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 so much alumni involvement that it's it's a really cool atmosphere for the kids and and it's a really cool game to coach in.
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've enjoyed watching several of them um, towards the end of the year. Uh, you talk about people that come to these games, you know, um, alumni of Harvard. Um, and one question I want to ask you is when you get these kids coming in, you know, seniors in high school and they're coming in as freshmen, what is your overall goal of what you want to create, not just as a football player, but as a person? You know, what kind of what kind of people do you want to send off after their senior year um, of Harvard? Yeah, so I mean, I kind of have three kind of core things that, that I talk to my guys about, and that's, you know, you want guys that are going to be tough, they're going to be disciplined, that are going to be able to execute, right? And I think that, you know, the execute, and that kind of translates into the real world, like, like you, you need to be mentally tough, right? You need to be disciplined in, in, in what you're doing, and you got to be able to get your job done, whether that's your job as a football player while you're here for four years, whether that's your job as a CEO or investment banker, or we've had guys go on to work for, for a professional sports franchise, like whatever your job is, like those kind of three things you got to be able to do. And, that, and that's really what we're trying to build. But like, we're trying to build great people. We want guys who are going to be accountable. Uh, we're going to teach them how to be accountable. We want guys that, that are able to take criticism, take feedback and be able to apply it. Obviously, that that that's a skill that that you know you hear all the time. You hear these you know business talks, things like that. People say all the time that people don't know how to take criticism anymore. That uh, so, so that's something you know that 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 you're building as a coach. You want guys to be able to take coaching and then be able to apply it. Um, and then I, I think lastly, you just you just want good people, right? You want people who are gonna you know go into society and, and be good people. You know, look out for others and you know have respect and. Uh, that's something that we, uh, you know, never really need to worry about with our guys. Like, and I, I think that's kind of just kind of speaks volumes to the guys that, that we're bringing in, like good people first, good players second type thing. So, um, you know, I, you know, I, I think those skill sets are, are, are huge. And then, you know, obviously we want guys, obviously you're going to be completely different when you're 17, 18 to when you're, you know, 22, 23, whatever, when you graduate. So, you know, you want to see not everyone coming in is going to be a finished product, but everyone leaving here, we think is going to be a lot better than when they got here and going to be ready to go. We, we joke, go, go take over the world. Right. With the, we say you, you play four years of Harvard football, you have a Harvard degree, you can go take over the world now. So it's like, um, yeah, no, we, we want obviously, you know, guys, you know, having that mindset, but um, you know, they're going to grow, they're going to develop. It's our job as coach, especially as a position coach, right. Like that's your responsibility for your guys to, to leave here better than when they, when they got here. So that's kind of my goal with all my guys want them to leave here. I tell my guys, like when I'm recruiting them, it's like in four years from when you get here, I want you to have the opportunity. I want scouts to be calling about you and you being able to work out at pro days and combines, but I also want you to have your dream job lined up, you know, and if we can accomplish those two things, you know, we've done a great job. The wins will take care of themselves. Right. I, I love that. That's a great, being able to take criticism and stuff like that is always a key component. And I agree with you is kind of lost in today's world with some people. Um, and I think college football definitely helps instill that in young individuals. Uh, one segment we kind of do at the end of every show is um, as a coach, you kind of have a better take on this um, since you are the person who is doing the recruiting kind of your advice to that high school senior, you know, who's thinking about playing college football, kind of what your advice is just going about the recruiting process. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, first and foremost, like, you got to, the better you're, you're doing in the classroom, the more opportunities you're going to have. Uh, you got to have a good GPA, take good courses, do more than just play football, you know, be involved in something else. And then when it comes down to football, like don't be so concerned with the recruiting and the publicity, be more concerned with having great film. 
And then once you have that great film, once you have that good transcript, once you have the off the field stuff taken care of, kind of that that whole outreach thing kind of goes both ways. Now you can fill out recruiting forms. You can, hey, go talk to your high school coach. Say, hey, this is where I see myself playing. You know, what do you think? Have an honest conversation with that. And then I think a lot of the times you're seeing a lot of kids are, are closing the door on places early because they kind of, you know, have that mentality that I got to go FBS or I got to go scholarship or, you know, ha- have an open mind because, you know, you see plenty of guys who, uh, who may be great players, but end up going to a place just because of the name or for whatever reason. And they end up never getting to play where if they went somewhere else, they would have been able to showcase their skills, you know, been on the field two, three, four years. Um, but yeah, I, I think first and foremost, you know, you got to have, you got to have, you know, as good a film as possible and not everyone's a five-star, right. But as good a film as possible, you need to be, be able to take care of your business in the classroom and then, you know, being a good person and doing good stuff off the field. And then, um, you know, like I said, outreach and, and, and there's so many ways to get out in front of people now. And, uh, but th- I, I, I do think that like going, like a lot of, a lot of kids just like, they kind of don't know what they don't know. And maybe they don't want to have the hard conversation, but like, talk to your coaches. Cause like, chances are you're, you know, a lot of these high school coaches have sent people to all these different places. Like, like they'll be able to tell you like, Hey, like this is kind of where, I, where I see you. And this is what guys are saying, but a lot of kids aren't having those conversations. Um, but I think, you know, keeping an open mind is huge. It's just like, just like, you know, once you get into it, right. You're a few months into recruiting, you're close to me. Like now you got to tell guys like, Hey, these are schools to focus on, but early on, just hear what, hear what coaches have to say. And, uh, you know, you'll get, you'll get a ton of information and, um, and then, you know, ask questions, you know, ask a ton of questions, make sure you're going to a place that's the right fit. Like, like so many times you're in recruiting conversation, kids don't have any questions. And then it's like, something comes up and it's like, well, you never, like kids never ask. So it's like, you know, you know, kind of know what you're looking for in a sense, you know, not kids aren't going to have a hundred percent exact idea when they're 17, 18 years old, but you got to make sure you're going to a place that's a right fit for you too, not just for football, but for the school and for the atmosphere. And, um, you know, I think the old, the old saying is right. Is is if football, if football wasn't a part of this thing, would you want to be at the school? Right. And I think that's still that pretty, pretty good way to look at things when you're going through the process as well. Right. And I think that's great advice. You know, it, I mean, all all the way around, you know, if you don't play football, definitely the school is what you're there for. You'll at least have a degree. And in this fact, you'll have a Harvard degree to go take over the world, like you said. Guys, that is all we have. Thank you, Coach Dakar, running backs coach at Harvard. Uh, Like we always say, like, rate, and subscribe to the show. And have a good one. Thanks, Logan. Appreciate it.